Good morning, Church on the Rock. Awesome, awesome, yeah. We are gathered here. We are gathered here, and uh, I'm looking forward to our time of worship uh, after the message and uh, just coming to him and getting all filled up. Uh, I am going to pray. This is our last message on the whole series of Locally Grown, and uh, let's, uh, let's ask that God would speak through his word, make it come alive, and uh, help us come away encouraged and strengthened. So Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you uh, at Church on the Rock that we can dig deeper into a subject and uh, sort of discover layer by layer what you would want us to know. And Lord, I pray that your, your holy word would come alive. Holy Spirit, I come and invite you to come and be our teacher. Come, Holy Spirit, and teach us. For those here, for those online, <clears throat> I pray that everyone will come away encouraged somehow, challenged. And Spirit, I'm going to leave that up to you. So thank you for what you will do today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I, uh, it's uh, interesting because at Church on the Rock, you are all doing your job. You often invite people on the way to God. You invite people to come to church here. And thank you. Keep on doing that. This is how one of the great ways that we reach out to our community. And uh, it's really fun to hear some people come in for the very first time, never been to church before, and they'll say things like, Wow, I, you know, I hope I don't, you know, get struck by lightning, you know, coming to church for the first time. As if God only sees things at church and nowhere else, right? As if that's, that's sort of the thing. So like, as if this is a holy place and nowhere else is holy. And uh, this, basically, this is a gym, but we gather here together. And so that is really what church is. And once you discover, once you all of a sudden discover, because we say it often enough that you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. It's not a point system. It's not like, oh man, I'm not sure how God feels about me because I've only gone so many times. I, I love one of our worship songs. And one of our worship songs, I can never be more loved than I am right now. God loves you more now than, than any other time. His love doesn't increase if you go to church. And so that, that brings up a question in our minds, right? Why? <laughs> Why go to church? Because especially it's like Sunday morning. The bed is calling. Tim Hortons is calling. All the important things later on in the day, those who watch football, that's calling. It's like, it's like why do this? Why do this? And some of you go, okay, well, I grew up in the church. I said, this is like a, a life habit. I sort of grew up. I, I you, you go to church, I'm a Christian, I go to church, go to church, go to church. And that's awesome. I'm glad you did. I'm glad your parents instilled that in you. But the thing is, you know what happens, right? You go to university, and then, man, it's hard to find a church. So you, you miss out on one Sunday, and all of a sudden you realize that, you know, that the ground did not open up. You know, the, you know you, the brimstone did not fall on you. And you go, okay, that's good. And then next week, other people are doing things, and you stayed up late Saturday night, and it's so easy not to. And then you start to say, hold on, it was just a habit, so why do I come anyway? There's some people who have pushed beyond that, and they have reasons, in fact, good reasons and biblical reasons. First of all, fellowship. Fellowship is friends. We get to hang out with friends. Isn't it good? I love coming to church and seeing some of, half of your faces. And uh, I... I I, I, I love it. Oh, well, how are you doing? How's it been? And it's like a big catch-up fest. And that is biblical reason to meet. It is a fellowship time together. And then, and then hopefully, 
hopefully, Lord willing, you're going to learn something or be reminded of something that you've learned before. And so that's, uh, that's great. We, we know that, yeah, friends and learning things. But even that might not be a strong enough reason for some people for the why. Because you can go hang out with friends at Starbucks, can't you? You don't have to come to church to meet with friends. And not only that, if you want to learn stuff, man, you just listen to podcasts. You go on a YouTube craze, right? And you just like start to learn so many things. And you might learn things that are deeper and better and all that kind of stuff. And so I know some people go, well, I'm not sure. Why do we do this? And so this is why I've take, taken three weeks, only three weeks, to sort of reflect about ourselves. Uh, this is not self-serving. This is discipleship. This is about Christians trying to figure out why we go to church. So week one, we, we, dis, we, we discovered one of the reasons because Jesus invented it. It was his idea. He came up with the idea of the gathering, and that's what it means. He loves the local gathering, and he calls it his body. He calls his, his local gathering his body. He calls it his, his bride. You know, his bride, he loves his bride. So don't speak badly about his bride. Can you imagine that, going up to some guy that's newly engaged? Wow, he got engaged to her? She's a little off, isn't she? (laughs) Wow, what should happen? He should punch you in the face. Okay, the idea is no, like Jesus, this we are his bride. We are his bride. And so he loves, he loves the gathering. In fact, he says that Jesus walks around his local churches, individual local churches in heaven. We discovered that in, in the book of Revelation. And not only does he walk among them because he wants to be close to them, he holds in his hands angels that represent angels for each local church. So I just go, that's cool. That not only is local church something that God sees in heaven, it is a spiritual place. In fact, he said when two or three gather together in his name, and I believe that's a gathering under, you know, as the local church, he says that his presence is there in a particular way. And you've known it, you've known it, especially if we're prayed up. If we're prayed up here at Church on the Rock, you know what happens, right? God shows up in a different kind of way. I just, I just heard this story. Somebody uh, is inviting somebody uh, on the way to God. And she says this. She says, every time, it's not a believer, every time I come to church on the rock, I cry. And, you know, I, when I heard that, I go, wow, my preaching isn't that bad. No, 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 no. It, it, it's something, it's, it's good crying. It, it's something here. Is it the gym? No, it's not the gym. It's the presence of the Spirit of God because his people are gathering. There's angels in his hands. I believe Church on the Rock has a lampstand and an angel. Did you know that not every church, how we define church, has one of those? Isn't that weird? There could be a building, there could be a pastor, there could be programs. There are places that we drive by and say, hey, do you know who goes to that church? It's, you know, it's that, that gathering, who goes to that church? But did you know that, that some of them might not have a light that shines? In fact, it's been removed by Jesus. Isn't that weird? I'm going to read to you uh, one, of the, one of the passages where, where Jesus talked about that. 
It's, uh, it's in Revelation, and it's talking about uh, a church called Ephesus. Now, I had an opportunity to go there to Ephesus and see this sprawling city. They have it reconstructed. It is utterly amazing to see the size of the amphitheater, to see the walkway down to the port, to see the, the, the massive homes where, where some churches were held, where they, they could easily fit uh, one, 200 people in their home for their little local churches there at Ephesus. And the, and, and the gospel spread so quickly in Ephesus, it said that at least 70% of the city became Christians. Isn't that amazing? This is a gospel hit, and it just spread, 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 spread. And, and later on, probably around 90 AD, Jesus goes and talks to a local church, and he talks to every local church and says, you're doing this well, and you're not doing this well. And he talks to Ephesus, and guess what he says to Ephesus? He says, listen, you're believing the right things. You have good doctrine. Has everybody, anybody like gone to like a doctrine church? You just got to get the doctrines right. This was a doctrine church. They had all their beliefs right, and they studied them, and they knew them, and they could spit them back. They had it all perfect as far as their knowledge went. Now I'm going to read to you what Jesus says to them on the downside. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. And Jesus saying this, he said, Yet I hold this against you. And well, how can you hold much against them? They have all their beliefs right. You have forsaken the love you had at first. It's just about love. Who, who, who's it? Love too. It, it's... Their actual love and passion to Jesus. Consider how far you have fallen. <laughs> We've fallen? Repent. Wow, that's, that's one of those, those like charged words, right? Repent. And you go, hold on. No, 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 no. We're Christians. We're good. No. Repent. Wow. And do the things you did at first. Well, that's when we didn't know a lot. But you loved a lot. You had passion for me. We had a love relationship. Uh, repent and do the things that you did at first. And here it is. Okay. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, wow. There are some places that have the building, the pastor, the program, but they have had their lampstand removed. There is no light there anymore. And you know what it's based on? You'd think it would be based on helping the community, doing wonderful things. But you know what it's based on? It's built on their, their, their relationship, their loving relationship with God. They just forgot about that relationship. And, and as, a, as a pastor, there's a lot of things that we can do, and we do a lot of things here at Church on the Rock. But this, this is one of these passages that presses on my heart to say, what, what's one thing we got to get right? We have to get right that we are all walking in a love relationship with Jesus, listening to him, obeying him, and, and, and worshiping him. That love relationship with Jesus seems to be pretty central. And so, so the, the, really the, the heart vision of Church on the Rock is to see as many people as possible experience the adventure of a living relationship with Jesus. To experience that adventure of a living relationship with Jesus. That's, that's the vision that we have. It's not to build more buildings. It's not to have so many campuses around the world. No, our vision is as many people as possible can experience the adventure of a living relationship with God because that's important to Jesus as he 
looks at his bride. He says, where's our love? Where's the love you and I have? So week one, why do we go to church? Because Jesus invented it. We're his bride. And he wants us to love him together, to worship him. And so week two, we said, hey, sometimes things are just better done together. Worship is better done together. And when we come together, it's just better to worship. Prayer. We should come here prepared to pray for each other and to lift up prayer requests. If you come with a heavy heart, you need to be able to de deposit it here. And, and I know because of COVID, we've, we've stayed at our distances, but please be praying for each other. Prayer trumps that. We just need to be praying for each other. And soon, I hope, we're going to be opening up our prayer corner again so we can come here and we can be prayed for because prayer is better together. Communion. I'm going to ask you to take communion, to go, those of you who are, are believers here, to go and take and reflect on what Jesus has done for you, how he has how he given his body and his blood for you. And to stop and and. and and to repent from anything that you have and that between you and the loving relationship with God. All these things are done better together. We are more Christ-like when we're together because we just have to bear with each other. You know what? It's not like I get to hang out with all my friends only. I get to hang out with people that are very different than me. And guess what? It's like two porcupines on a cold night. Oh, we got to get warm. Ah! Oh, we got to get warm. Ah! That's what the church is. Okay, come on, come on. Let's get in there and let's start to, to cuddle up. Put the quills down. Put the quills down. All right? All right? And let's start to cuddle up and get a little bit warm. Because we become more Christ-like when we are together. So this is the last week. Last week about why we should come, why we should meet as a local church. Why? I'm going to start off with two scriptures. And I, I, hopefully I'm going to have, help you, uh, you can help me read them. Uh, first one is 1 Corinthians 12, 7. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. And uh, that is on the, yeah, that is on the screen. Beautiful, beautiful. Now it goes like this. Now to each one, could we say together, you can join me at home too, all right? Now, to, uh, now let's say this together. Now to each one, ready? Each one. All right, all right. Okay, use whatever gift. Gift. Okay, we're, we're going to do gift, all right? Okay. Uh, now to each one, each one. The manifest, okay, <laughs> that's good. The manifestation, uh, no, sorry. <laughs> I'm reading the wrong verse, aren't I? Yes. And you're going, what are you doing, Dave? <laughs> you know, at home, we're going to cut this part out of the video. You won't see it. No. <laughs> Tina laughs at me. <laughs> now, to each one, let's say each one. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Can we say common good? All right. Now your pastor's got it together. All right. Now, whoo, we're going to do the next verse. Next verse. First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, serve others, as faithful students, stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We're going to tear those two verses apart and dig in a little deeper to try and understand. This is, a, a, this is sort of like a truncated little, uh, little thing on spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts says each one, every Christian has a set of spiritual gifts. From the newest Christian to the oldest Christian, you have a spiritual gift. You might not know what it is. You might not have any idea. But you have one. If you are in the family of God, you have a spiritual gift. 
gift because it says each one, each one. The manifestation of the Spirit, it is a manifestation of the Spirit. It's supernatural. It is supernatural. So if you have the Holy Spirit, you have a spiritual gift. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian yet. So you should become a Christian. Get the Holy Spirit. He comes with a housewarming gift and says, hey, I'm here have this and use this. Now, do we get more as we go? We might. Uh, in fact, there's some good evidence that, that, that we do. But the thing is, we all have a gift. Now, here's is really, really important to know because I hear Christians talking about it. And it's like, no, it's not right. This is not a personality trait. This is some, not something you are born with. You are not born with a spiritual gift. It comes with the Holy Spirit when you accept Christ. It is not a personality trait. You did not have this gift before you're a Christian. You might have had something like it as a natural ability, but when the Spirit comes in, He will energize it and change it and shape it for His benefit. It comes with the Holy Spirit. It is not something you had before you're a Christian. It is a gift. It is a gift. And so in other words, it's not this special ability that you have that makes you better than other people. It is simply a gift. A gift does not make one better than the other. It's like, like a, a white elephant thing. You know, have you, you know, the college groups, you know, y'all you, come and bring something that's $5 and you get it and go, oh, gross. And then you trade up for somebody's better gift, right? Are you a better person because you got the best gift at, at the white elephant thing? No, it's just a gift. You're just you, but you got to have this gift. And a lot of times these super spiritual people don't know that. And they want to sort of trump themselves, like, like build themselves up as if they, they, they are better than other people. In fact, I had one man come and told me. He said, Dave, he said, I am special to God. I know there's, there's normal people out there. But he has told me I'm special to him. In other words, I'm, I'm higher and better. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, and God told me that. I thought, well, Somebody told you that. It certainly wasn't God. The thing is, we are all the same. Why? Because we all have a gift. In fact, uh, one, of, uh, one of my uh, professors from Wheaton College uh, wrote a, a, uh, a commentary on it. And this is what he says. These showings of the spirits, or, or the, these spiritual gifts, are not to bring personal benefit. They're not for your personal benefit. Or status. It doesn't make you better than anyone else but to bring advantage to the whole community. You are given a gift for the common good of the whole community. What, what, what is a spiritual gift? It's, just, it's a, a desire and a power. He calls it in these verses God's grace. God's grace is the desire and power to do God's will. We need God's grace to be able to do his will. And so you say, God, give me your grace. He gives you the desire. Oh, now I want to do that. And he gives you the power to do that. We are saved by his grace. In other words, he gives us the desire to come to him. He gives us the power to come to him. It's that is what grace is. And so when you have a spiritual gift, it's this desire to do something. And there's spiritual power in it. And there's actually some results in it. I have a spiritual gift of teaching. When I read the Bible, it's like, okay, God, I want to hear it from me, but that, that would make a really good sermon. And then I'm starting to do the whole teaching thing in my head. I can't help it. I have this desire to do it. And hopefully, when I get on this stage and I'm over there praying, saying, God, Holy Spirit, could you please, I can't do this in my strength. I have to do it in your strength. God's power meets me on the stage. And every so often, I hear results. And that is because a spiritual gift. Some people have a spiritual gift 
of evangelism. Now, we're all supposed to share our faith, but some people are just really good at it. I, I've often told you about my friend Harvey. I'm going to get him here to speak. This year, this is one of my goals, is to get him, Harvey, the amazing wonder Christian, here to speak. We've got to pack the place up, right? And he has a gift of evangelism, and he just, like, normally goes around. And I was getting gas with him, and, like, he's from a Jewish background, and there's this, this Muslim man behind the, the, the thing, and he, he says, oh, so how are those Toronto Maple Leafs doing? He goes, all right, they're talking Maple Leafs. But Harvey just goes and talks about things. He says, how's your family? I'm praying for them all the time. I'm praying that Jesus, and he did, did the J word right in front of me. And he said, wow, and he's not bold. He's not bold. He's just, he can't help it. And every time I get together with them, they say, so who would you lead to Christ now? It's just, it's filled with power and results. There are some people who have the spiritual gift of encouragement. You're just around them. You want to be around them. Why? Because they can't help it. They just will encourage you. And you feel strengthened. And you feel encouraged to go closer to Christ that some people have a gift of giving. We're all supposed to give. But some have, they can't help it. They just want to be able to give to everything that's going on. And as they, as they, they hear what God is doing... God stirs that up, and that happens. Some ha have a, a gift of hospitality. That's welcoming, welcoming. And some people, they, they just, we're all supposed to be welcoming. Come on, come on, you know, it's, it's uh, meet your neighbor time. And, you, you know, the introvert's going, no, I don't want to, right? I understand, I, I understand. But these hospitality people, they're the ones that are going to take you by the hand and show you to somebody else, right? They, they just love this. Do it. And guess what? Guess what happens? Guess what happens when the hospitality welcome people here and, and the evangelist people go and share their faith and the administrative people get everything working and the teachers teach and the worshipers worship. It functions like an alive body. Yeah. And it's good. It's just good. Talking about spiritual gifts, you don't get every gift. Jesus had them. You're not Jesus. <laughs> some, people, some people teach this, and I'm, there might be people here that believe this, that the whole spiritual gift thing is you get the whole tool belt, and you can bring out any drill, anything you want, at any time you want. So you can bring out any spiritual gift you want. So you are self-sufficient, an individual that can do anything you want. I remember hearing somebody teaching about this, and he says, he's speaking to young people, I'm going to skateboard right to the gates of hell himself and take them all down because he could do everything himself. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 29 to 30 says this. Are all apostles, the, the, the answer is no. Not everybody's an apostle. Are all prophets, I believe Everyone can prophesy like everyone can give and everyone can teach, but not everyone has a gift of prophecy. Are all teachers. We should be teaching everyone. We should all be teaching each other things. But some people are gifted teachers. Do all work miracles. We can all pray for miracles, but there are some people that have the faith that it's just amazing to see miracles happen. Do all have the gift of healing? We should all be praying for healing. We should be praying healing over everyone. But guess what? There are some people with the spiritual gift of healing. And, 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 and guess what? The, the results and the power is just incredibly more than you or I could have. And so it's, it says, uh, do all speak in tongues? says no, but the basic is, is no. Do all interpret? No. The obvious answer to each one of those is no. 
Do we all have all the gifts? No. You don't get all the gifts. Why? Why not? You're not Jesus. That's a good one. Because I need you. If I had all the gifts, I don't need you. Right? If I had all the all Holy Spirit gifts, I really don't need you. I can go and do whatever I want. I can go and skateboard to the gates of hell. By the way, the guy that went and skateboarded to the gates of hell lost his faith. Because he wasn't in a community of other people that he needed. You don't get all the gifts, so you need others. These supernatural gifts are actually almost like pieces of a puzzle. I bring a few pieces to the puzzle. You bring a few pieces to the puzzle. And when we all fit them together, it works. And the face of Christ pops out to people when we do what we're meant to do. Meant to do. Your part, your gift works better when it's connected to the local church. Your part, your gift makes sense when it's connected to the local church. And this all has to do with the body, the body, the body. And, and there's, there's twice in the scripture where Paul talks about us working like a body. Now, I'm not sure if all of you are, any of you are old enough to remember an old Coke Zero commercial. I went to enough movies. I think it happened during the time of Lord of the Rings. So I, I, I had to have seen it about 100 times. So anyway, this commercial up on screen, it's, it's a Coke Zero thing. And it's a tongue that is tasting like an embodied tongue tasting the Coke. And he goes, oh, this is Coke. And there's an eyeball over there saying, it's not Coke, it's Coke Zero. He says, well, no, it tastes like Coke. He says, well, clear. And they had these French accents. It is clearly not Coca-Cola. It is Coke Zero. You don't know what you're talking about. It tastes like Coke. You know, <laughs> the thing is, the eyeball couldn't taste it, right? The tongue couldn't see it. But they're put together in a body, all of a sudden it works and it makes sense. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 just as the bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Isn't that cool? That cool? I need you. I need you. And you need me. In fact, we need each other because we are a body. And that is what a local church is. We are a body that functions together and we belong to each other. Uh, there's another part, not only in Romans 12, but in 1 Corinthians 12. It goes like this. I'm going to read, a, a, it's an extended, almost the whole chapter. I've, I've, I've squished it down as much as I could. 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to read verse 4, then 12 to 19. It says, there's different kinds of gifts. In, in other words, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts you have. But the same spirit distributes them. In other words, I get my spiritual gift of encouragement from the same person in the same place that has given Tina her gift of administration. So, so we're, we're connected because the spirit is the source of both of our gifts. Just as in one body there is one body, though, uh, though one has many parts. But all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And we learned from our first, first uh, sermon, uh, talking about when, when, when Jesus says, my, my body, he said, my body, the church. My body, the church. So when we hear the body, we know that Jesus is saying, my body, the church. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, can you, see, can, you, can you see gift envy sometimes? Yeah. They're just so good at praying. 
why should I bother? You know, yeah. I, I'm, I can't even sing. Why do I come to worship? I, 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 am I really a part of this? Because I'm not good at one thing. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for the reason to stop being a part of the body. In other words, don't stop gathering if you don't, haven't, haven't found your fit yet, or, or, or even better, if you're, you're still wondering, why, why is there a foot again? Well, find out why there's a foot. Start walking, and you'll start to find out, oh yeah, we need that here. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not be for that reason to stop being a part of the body. If, and, and here we go, the Coke Zero uh, commercial uh, written in the first century. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? In fact, so if you were all one kind of person here at Church on the Rock, we wouldn't reach anyone. But in fact, it says this, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. In other words, the choice of your gift is his. You can ask for more, but he might say no because the choice. He is putting gifts just exactly where he wants them to be. And so, these parts are individuals in the church. There are eyeball people, tongue people, arm people, feet people. You have the desire and the ability to do something eternally in your, in, in your gut and you want to do it. And, and, let's, and you will feel frustrated or you will feel unfulfilled if you don't connect that to a body. There are some people who are eyeballs. They can say, oh, there's that problem. Oh, there's that problem. There's that problem. And they go around seeing everybody's problems. Isn't that awesome? Don't you just want me to hang around a, a, a floating eyeball? It's connected to the body. And they say, hey, I discern something going on. The prayer people say, we're going to pray about this. And the teacher people say, let's teach you about this. And let's go and let's actually fix the problem instead of just pointing it out everywhere. That's why when the body comes together... It works. It works. You will continue to feel frustrated, unfulfilled, and empty until you get connected to the local church. I remember somebody describing it this, this way, that, uh, that beavers, beavers have these teeth. You know, as Canadians, we should, we should get this one, right? And the teeth continue to grow. And, and if they don't cut down trees, those teeth will continue to grow and kill the beavers. So they need to keep on gnawing on stuff. And so it kills our spiritual life unless you, uh, unless you exercise your spiritual gift within the body, the body itself. And when there's a healthy body, every part is working, the gates of hell will break open and we will rescue those on the way to God together. As I read in the first week the, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, it says this, the spirit and the bride say, come. Who says come? Who invites people to Jesus? The spirit does, because the spirit is out there winning to Christ, people to Christ, but also the bride, his local church says, come. Let the one who says, uh, who hears, say come. Let the one who's thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the free gift, the water of life, come, come. So let me put it together. If you're a believer, if you're a believer, you have a supernatural gift, and it's a precious gift from God. You will be held accountable for its use. The gift is meant to be used for the common good, the local church, to be plugged in together. If... It, it, if you plug that gift in, you'll be more spiritually alive and fulfilled, and the whole local church will storm the gates of hell 
to rescue those on the way. In fact, we multiply ourselves through the local church. We multiply ourselves through the local church. There is no room for inferiority here. Every gift is the same as far as God sees it. I remember when we had uh, <clears throat> little seats out here, and, and I would always add seats to the back. I, I'm letting you in on a secret. You know, uh, we're always uh, backseat Baptists. The, the back seats are the ones that, that fill up first, right? So we would not put seats out at the back. And, and so you'd fill them up, and then I'd always add seats at the back. So, so actually, you know, you would sit... Uh, we, we'd pack more people in. So anyway, uh, we, always, we always needed to be able to have more seats put out there. I remember the, the Stassens. Oh, man, your little guy. <laughs> he'd come, and he was just on a mission. He'd take out a chair. The chair was bigger than him, as I remember. And he'd set it up, and he'd just keep on setting it up. You know what? He had that, he has, uh, there's no junior Holy Spirit, right? He has spiritual gift of service, so he is serving, he is doing, he is obeying God to do what he is doing. Who's more important, him or me? Guess what? We're both the same because I'm just doing what God's telling me to do. He's doing what God's telling him to do. And if we just all do what God's telling us to do, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. There is, uh, there is a, a philosopher and a theologian called Jürgen Moltmann. He said this. He said, no one is useless and no one is of no value in the body of Christ. In fact, in his writings, he's, this is what he suggests. He suggests those people with exceptional needs are needed in the body of Christ for the body of Christ to be able to function well. So when we see exceptional need people come here, we should say, good. Now we can function even more fully as the body of Christ because we need every person. There's a parable where the king goes away and returns, and he, he gives various gifts. To some he gives ten bags, to some he gives one. And I, I often I hear back whenever I preach on that, they say, well, how's that fair? How, how, how are people giving ten bags and, and, and some are only given one? That doesn't seem fair. And I, God is the one who's going to sort that all out. I, I don't know how he's going to sort that out, but he will. But here's one thing I know. Here's one thing I know. The one bag of gold person will never be judged on not having a return of 10. Got that? A one bag of gold person will never be judged, why didn't you produce 10 bags of gold? No, they're going to be asked to do what they're asked to do. But conversely, a 10 bag of gold person will be judged if they only return one bag of gold. Because for those who have been given much, you know the rest of the Bible verse, much will be required. Jesus told a parable about seeds. In that, 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 that parable of seeds, seeds fell on different grounds. But there is, there is a, a soft ground where the, the seed fell on. And this is what, what the, Jesus says. They heard God. They, that's why we do listening prayer so much, because we need to hear God. They heard God. They understood, oh, I understand what I need to do. And number three, then they produced. They actually obeyed. So we hear, understand, and obey. And guess what happens? They, they, they get multiplied 100 times, 60 times, 30 times. And your life gets multiplied, multiplied, multiplied when you hear, what's my part in the body? I understand what I'm going to get to do, and I'm going to do it well. And guess what? <laughs> Focusing lights on the right part of the, of the stage, that is, is an act of obedience. And guess what? It gets multiplied, right? 
doing the sound and doing it well, guess what? It, it gets multiplied. And as we work together, that seed produces 160 and 30 times. If you're on your way to God, if you're not a Christian, this is what one of the reasons why we meet together as a church. It's not to get goody points with God. It is not to try and check things off. It is so we can function as a body to love each other, yes, to worship well, yes, to be able to pray for each other, yes, but also to serve together and have meaning in life and purpose in life to move others to him. In fact, the Bible commands us to gather, so we need to gather. I know some have health concerns, that's, and they're real things. I, I'm not pushing that. I'm just saying, if you can, if you can, come and gather. Some have friends at Starbucks. Keep on meeting at Starbucks. Having, have coffee and have good fellowship and pray for each other. Please do that. Those small groups are amazing, but never call it your church. It's not a church. Unless you're, you're, you're working together to win the loss and letting your, your, your spiritual gift click together with others. Unless there's an elder over you actually taking responsibility for you. Unless you're worshiping together, taking communion, and anybody can enter, even not your friends. Please keep on a meeting with small groups, but never call it your church. Come together, come to worship together, come to pray together, come to serve together, and come to grow together. Can I, can I admit, it's just sometimes it's hard. Can we just say it's hard sometimes, right? I, all I just want to say one word to you. If you think it's hard, think Jacob, all right? <laughs> Love you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be roadblocks. There's going to be hills. There's going to be little barriers for you to get here. Of course there will be. But when you get here, I hope and pray that the Spirit of God will meet you. You'll come away encouraged and filled and strengthened. And it is going to be amazing. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. Come on up, worship team. I... At our communion tables, there's these little packets. And in the, in the spirit of the theme of locally grown, they just have a couple seeds. You don't have to open up the package. You can just feel the seeds in there. And what I'd like you to do if you, the Lord leads you to take communion, if not, if you're a believer and this is your local church, go and take one anyway. Just take it and, and put it somewhere uh, in your bedroom, in your car, somewhere they can see it and just realize, hold on, I've got a seed. I got my one, I got my one seed. And I, but I want to plant it here and, and in my local church and see it grow to a hundred times as many as this, more than this one little seed. I want you to, to remember that. And when you see this packet, to pray for our ministry together, to pray that we will reach out 30, 60, 100 times more to those around us. And may God, may God storm the gates of hell through this little local church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for what we are now as we're reaching out. Thank you, God, for what you will do when we get into our new building. And, and, and people will just be curious, but we'll be ready. We'll be ready with the gospel of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in the presence. God, so take our one little seed, plant it deeply in this local church. And let it multiply and multiply and multiply to bring people closer to you and into your family. In Jesus' holy name, amen.